Welcome to Conflict Herald's Korean Annotators. I'm Dave Busey, founder and editor-in-chief of Conflict Herald, and I'll be interviewing some of my favorite creators in comics about specific runs, graphic novels, or series, looking for their insights and inspirations behind the work. Today, I'm excited to welcome Sanford Green, co-creator of Bitter Root, one of my favorite ongoing comics of the last couple of years, and a current Eisner-nominated work for Best Continuing Series of 2020. Bitter Root is the story of a black family of monster hunters in 1920s Harlem, quite literally fighting racism and the depths of man's hate while trying to carve out hope for a future. Sanford, thanks so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. Can you start off telling us how uh, Bitter Root came to be and your involvement on it? Um, honestly, uh, we were still, me and David Walker, we were working at uh, Marvel on Power Man and Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, coming to the conclusion of that series. And uh, we were having some uh, conversations um, with Marvel about what's next. Um, Truth be told, um, the only thing that I was interested in was either uh, working on one of the bigger properties or um, doing a continuation of Power Man and Iron Fist. Um, And at that time, uh, we had some some back and forth on uh, what would be best um, and we just didn't seem to, to get a lot of traction on, um, either at that time. Yeah. Um, and we had some ideas that we wanted to do, um, with, um, with Power Man and Iron Fist that, um, involved, uh, 1920s Harlem. And, mm-hmm. um, we, we, again, we just didn't get a lot of uh, traction from it. And uh, shortly after afterwards, um, my uh, other co-creator, um, Chuck Brown, had mentioned about um, doing something during the uh, Harlem Renaissance time period. And, uh, and, and it was just kind of like the synergy that happened where we were thinking, you know, this is uh, something that we're all thinking about. Uh, it might be just... Um, a good thing to possibly just create something on our own um and to some degree uh the the stars just aligned in that sense and marvel uh because there wasn't a whole lot of um momentum in that direction it, it definitely kind of gave us the the incentive to to do something creator on even more we we were coming off of you know something that was pretty uh, acclaimed in um, Power Man and Iron Fist, and we felt that we had some momentum in that. Yeah. So we felt it was a, a good time to to move forward with some creator-owned stuff. Um, and uh, that's, in a nutshell, how it uh, kind of started to to come together. We started having conversations and developing the ideas and and um, and uh, pitched it to Image, and they were uh, absolutely on board, which was... Uh, extremely gratifying for us uh so we got working on that right away um well i should i shouldn't say right away but we definitely uh between us having our development uh stage and having a few meetings with image and um and then just kind of coming together on those two fronts uh i would say within six months we were off to the races Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask about, you, you can see a little bit in your run on Power Man and Iron Fist with David Walker, you have some some monster designs in there that kind of are 
you can almost see like groundwork being laid for some of the things that are in Bitterroot, I think stylistically too, just like those larger than life proportions of some of the yeah. character designs. You know, definitely I, I love the way that you portrayed uh, Luke Cage in that book uh, an awful lot. And I think you see that in some of the some of the work on Bitterroot. So you mentioned this being set in 1920s Harlem Renaissance, um, which is certainly very appropriate and and relevant. How does how does working in a fictional, fictional, you know, almost period piece like this impact your design choices? I guess, like, how much research and investigation was that something you were doing um, as you were putting together character designs and kind of the world of Bitterroot? Um, uh, it was a tremendous amount of um, involvement in research because you know, I, I still do it uh, to this day. Um, we we also used. Um, because we just thought that this genre was um, kind of a perfect marriage, the steampunk element um, with the Harlem Renaissance um, has something there that it seems like the, the two could just marry um, pretty seamless. And um, so that's honestly what made me even more excited about the project because those two um, genres uh, he hadn't really seen that, but at the same time, there's so many other um, um, genres that kind of fall into that 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 same um, aesthetic, um, the Victorian era, uh, things mm -hmm. of that. It just seems like the Harlem Renaissance had a lot of those, you know, um, aesthetics there. So um, <clears throat> we just thought that uh, using steampunk um, design and, and, and influence was kind of um uh again just uh, an easy as it uh, it was an easy task um uh, truth be told it, it because there's it's so vast um that 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 aesthetic it um kind of put me down this rabbit hole that um there's times where i can i can lose days possibly even weeks just uh designing and researching and um <clears throat> coming up with uh different um you know um uh um, aesthetics to uh, to create for uh, our story. I mean, to, to some degree, we're um, like I said, we're still doing. I'm still doing that. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we're working on our our tenth issue right now, and um, and another genre um, is just uh, kind of the fantasy element. Um, we're we're you know, hope I don't think this is a spoiler, but we're going to be using some more of that aspect of it as well. Um, moving forward and you know like i said that time period harlem renaissance it's it's magical if if i can use that term um it's just it's just a magical time period that it's again all of it just kind of works seamlessly yeah yeah absolutely and and one of my favorite things about the book is is all the design elements you're explaining but also like the back matter which explains you know writers and artists like uh like zorro neil hurston right and and links yeah. hughes and just these like deep dives into the actual impact of the harlem renaissance it adds a it adds a ton of just ability to kind of like really really dig into what this world would be like and it feels more lived in i think understanding the actual american history right that is um often often not given as much of a spotlight. I think uh, a lot of people, a lot of white people like myself are realizing like that there's a lot more here to to learn and to understand as a part of our nation's history. Um, right. How much how much is kind of that scholarly examination a part of, you know, you mentioned the 
the visual elements, right, of steampunk uh, and, and of, of the period. How much is that scholarly examination of like black cultural influence? Um, how much do you try and integrate that into your your artwork and your designs? Um, it honestly is probably the the number one element um, or mm -hmm. influence uh, because it, um, it like I said earlier, the Harlem Renaissance. Just the era was the aesthetics were already just uh, so fascinating in terms of uh, just uh, what people, how people uh, dressed and carried themselves. And, and of course, the arts, just all of that is influenced by that. Right. And um, so it just kind of, you know, it was just kind of easy an easy transition to to marry um those cultural uh influences and putting you know just a little more of a fantasy element to it because honestly those those you know that look and and that um that time period had a lot of that i think um history just has a way of I think that was the phrase that art imitating life, it, you know, it's kind of like, you know, that that's what it was. It's like, you know, or what it is. It's just, uh, we, you know, I'm looking at history and I'm like, man, this is, this by itself is fascinating. It, uh, you know, to some degree, there's not even a need to do much more than what's already uh, has been portrayed in, in our history. Uh, and, and if I could go a little farther, I mean, as much as we use that time period, we're using uh, time periods before um, that impact uh, our our uh, history, uh, especially uh, especially in this country. But you know, we we're, we're doing and we're dropping seeds even prior to African culture. Uh, you know, uh, things of uh, those times, and um, so yeah, we're using a lot of those background elements, um, historical elements, to move. Um, our characters and story along. Yeah, yeah, no, very cool. It's definitely, definitely effective. Um, I, I found it interesting in in the book. There are a couple ways that hate and fear manifest into literal monsters. Mm -hmm. So the at the start of the book, you know, the first is sort of out and out racism, right? And it's it's the fear and hate that that drives racism into literal monsters. These yeah. um, the Genu. I, I don't know. I've never actually yeah. said it out loud, right. but okay. Right. Um, right. These these monsters that the Sangri family is fighting. But then it kind of gets more complicated as the book progresses and there's a new style of monster that is the way I understand it, this more um, complicated like legacy of generational trauma, right? And yeah. in this case, particularly predicated on the uh, Tulsa massacre of, of yeah. 1921, which yeah. got, I think, a lot of I think you guys had it in there early in Bitterroot, and then that same year, or, or I guess it was last year, Watchmen brought yep. that to the forefront of a lot of people's uh, awareness in a way that it that it hadn't been before. That's when right. you're when you're um, designing monsters based on these these awful real world things, you know, you're literalizing them. How yeah. do you differentiate those like the different types? I guess what what goes into your process in terms of how do I make racism a monster how do i make generational trauma a monster because i i don't think anyone would say that sounds like an easy thing to do <laughs> right be told it's i kind of go off of instinct um mm -hmm. when i'm in the middle of you know designing or drawing the stories 
there may be, truth be told, um, something that I've read or seen um, in, in whether it be historical or just current events. Um, you know, it's, it's no secret of what we're dealing with right now mm-hmm. um, has a lot of um, relativity to uh, what, what the story that we're telling. Honestly, that's why we started telling this story to begin with. Um, right. it digress on that. But um, yeah, a lot of it is just um, kind of a, a subconsciousness to what I design. And, you know, just kind of a, a, on, a, on a kind of a nerd surface level, um, I'm a huge fan of Jack Kirby um, and his designs for uh, monsters and and for some reason i just thought you know there's this fine line that we're trying to um we're trying to dance with um when it comes to telling an intense story that has something that allows you to kind of see it for what it is because hate hate racial prejudice is ugly it's disgusting it's so how can we convey that in this you know physical or um tactile manner you know something that you can you can connect with in that sense um while at the same time we don't want to uh, we we're trying to reach as much uh, uh, broaden our audience as much as possible. Um, I've spoken and, 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 and I've been reached out to by many um, scholars or, or teachers, if you will, from every level, from elementary to college. Sure. And yeah. So we started thinking about you know how can we convey this to where, you know, a 10 year old or 11 year old, we, we feel like our stories are, are in a place to where they could handle it um, in reading it and digesting it. Um, at the same time, we don't want to water it down. So um, I guess to kind of answer your question, that's why I, I kind of go on instinct a lot of times. Um, and, you know, there's times where I look at something that I did um, designing wise, design wise, and um, you know, I say, "Wow, that was <laughs> that was pretty intense." I didn't realize I went <laughs> there, but again, that that's 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 uh, honest um, assessment, and um, you know, that's something that, to some degree, I, I, I kind of um, applaud that um, I'm allowing that rawness to to come forth on on paper. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. That's a good answer. I, I think it, it does come through definitely. And I, I think appropriately. So, mm-hmm. um, in terms of the, the release schedule for Bitterroot, you guys took a, a year in between the, the first and second arcs thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, are there plans for a similar break after Bitterroot number 10, which I think will conclude the second arc? Yeah, we kind of, in a weird way with COVID happening and, and things of that nature, we, we almost kind of don't have a choice to some degree. Um, sure. So, um, in a, in a way it, 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 we were heading towards that anyway, I think before COVID happened, 
because we have some other um, plans for some other things that we're trying to do. But um, um, well, a lot of that honestly has been canceled <laughs> because we we had a we had a we had a college tour that we were setting up, and um, mm. of course, all the comic cons and all the appearances. We had a lot of appearances this year, so we just knew that it part of it was important to to connect with the people and and and, and be there and and have those conversations in person with fans but um it also we knew that our schedule wouldn't allow us to to be able to um to to have you know that kind of consistency so we we knew that we needed to have somewhat of a break we didn't think it was going to be you know next year but we definitely um was working around that gotcha gotcha yeah that that makes sense um yeah i wondered if it if it had afforded you more creatively but it's not i mean Possibly it does, but it sounds like in this case, it's just the state like, of the world and what do you yeah, do? You know, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and I would say that that's kind of what happened with um, our first arc. It wasn't intentional to, oh, let's take a year to and then come back. We started looking at um, just the trajectory of where we were um, when we finished the first arc and we, we were at San Diego and we had a big conversation about uh, – coming out um in the fall of last year and um again same thing happened we were making appearances everywhere and um it was hard because you know it's it's that it's that grassroots mentality right we we want to make sure that we're um just being um as visible as possible because the more you have that viewpoint that connection the more um it just tends to uh you you tend to uh, garner fans that may not have been familiar with what you what you've done but they mm. you know through through those kind of connections now you've gained that much more so um we knew it was very important i mean just just being real here um we're one of the few all black creative teams uh, working at a, a company um, that has a lot of a lot of titles, um, and mm-hmm. these titles are all a lot of those titles are, you know, well known established t- titles: Walking Dead and Saga and <clears throat> Sex Criminal. All these different titles are, but you know, these titles are are dominating, you know, the shelves and 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 dominating uh, the comic book medium uh, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And so we knew that. Uh, just merely having the book on the shelf wasn't enough. So we we knew we needed to have uh, podcast interviews and in-store appearances and definitely comic cons and everything else that we can possibly get our hands on to spread spread the word. And um, so, yeah, uh, long answer there, but um, that's honestly why we 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 took that that uh that break and we knew we needed to do something that um to kind of bridge the gap between that break as well so we put out that summer special uh the annual uh called the red summer and um you know that's uh you know something that we're extremely proud of um because it um definitely um gave us um another unique way to um to connect and um 
build uh build our brand uh, yeah. story. Yeah, no, it was a really cool special because you get a like individual character deep dives. You get some other artists into the foray, mm-hmm. you know, to to see different takes on the characters in the world. Um, so yeah, yeah. I definitely recommend the uh, the Red Summer special for those people who might have missed it. Also, researching the the Red Summer because I I did the same, um, yeah. and uh, that was definitely you know it's a lot of insight and a lot of learning there yeah. as well if you're less familiar. Um, I I believe Bitterroot rights were purchased for film and TV. Is there any development on that end that you know about? Um, yes, there is. I think that's all I can say about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's usually the case. So no yeah. no worries at all. That's cool well, though. Congrats on yeah. uh, on where that may be heading. Um, right. So are there any other things that you're working on currently, uh, or is it heads down on Bitterroot until uh, until issue ten is out, and then you you go from there? Um, if I could retract, I can share this about the media um, yeah. aspect of it. Um, we do, you know, it was announced that uh, Ryan Coogler, um, his production company, has the uh, the film rights, um, so they'll be they'll be producing it. Ryan Coogler, uh, known for uh, uh, producing, directing Black Panther uh, mm-hmm. film. Yeah, Marvel. that's awesome. You know, um, couldn't think of anyone any better i mean there's a ton of great talented um <clears throat> directors and producers um even more specifically uh directors and producers of color we were very um intentional reaching out to um to uh those uh, creators kind of a side encouraging note um he reached out to us so that oh, wow. Yeah, that that definitely um, showed that what we were doing was registering and reaching um, the audiences that we was hoping for. So uh, that's amazing. Do you do you yeah. put together like a, I, I guess I'm less familiar, like a pitch document or something like that when you're when you have a, a comic and you're trying to get you know a very intentional licensing deal like that? Yeah, well, the comic is the pitch document, so yeah, you know, um, that's kind of a a what is it um kind of a known secret these days um in in hollywood most people that want to do you know ips or create um these um these concepts they they reach out to comic illustrators what have you to try to get uh, a graphic novel done um so that they can have it for media yeah Mm-hmm. okay cool um any other like comics work on your end that's upcoming that you can share um hmm. well i just finished something with um dc um with brian michael bendis um a uh legion of superheroes uh, story i think there there's like i don't know a dozen creators working on uh this project is it's like one page yeah for artists um so uh just finished that um uh, which was really cool um who'd you get to do what uh what legion lightning, lightning lad and lightning glass okay yeah um if anyone's familiar with what who they are currently they're both black characters um brother and sister um, characters um, in in the uh, Legion. And um, so that was cool. 
um, working on that. Um, for one page, it was a lot of drawing. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of drawing for one page. Uh, you know, yeah. I wanted to make sure that I portrayed the characters. Um, I wanted to, uh, what's the word? I wanted to give them um, space. So I, I had to make sure that um, I did the storytelling in a way to uh, give them um, a little bit of a of an appearance. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, it took took a minute for just one page to to, to come about, but um, it was fun. So nice, was, uh, enjoyable. Cool. I think, I, uh, I'm sorry. No, got, no. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I got. I'm trying to think. My brain is kind of fried, man. I, I've I've got a few things, some cover works. Um, I just did uh, something with. Edit that part. Um, uh, I did something with. Um, um, did a cover for Far Sector, and I'm doing one for Batman and the Outsiders. Okay. Oh, cool. um, some stuff over at Dark Horse. So yeah, I've, I've uh, mainly covers for right now. Can't really afford to do interior work. Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, time wise, that's uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a tough one to pick up. I imagine. Um, very cool. No, this is awesome. This is a good conversation. I did want to give you the opportunity uh, as we kind of come to a close. Um, what what do you think it is, in your own words, about Bitter Root that is so relevant? today and why why do you think you know more readers those who might be less familiar with it um should check it out uh why is it so relevant today i guess just look around <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> it's like you see these monsters everywhere i mean i think you know if i could kind of go down this rabbit hole i think um we've been seeing it um for a minute i think with social media you see you're seeing it you know, live out in real time. Um, and, you know, this is even prior to um, George Floyd or, or, or any of the um, unfortunate um, victims um, of, you know, uh, of this injustice, uh, racial injustice specifically. Um, you know, we've seen it long before this. Um, but I think social media has definitely given us a spotlight. And of course, COVID has slowed the world down to a standstill to where everyone is seeing it all at once. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, oh man, you know, I didn't realize this was happening or this bad. And, and I think that's part of why we're doing this story because I think there's a, you know, just being candid, there's a, a, a huge, section of our world country specifically where there's blinders to um the systemic nature of of this thing because systemic is very you know ambiguous in a lot of ways um now um uh, well i should say is maybe not so much anymore right but uh it it, it was but now because of social media and, and things of that nature and other media, you know, television and film and, 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 and now graphic novels, comics. Um, yeah. You know, we, we, we felt like we had a rich story um, even way before any of this stuff happened because, it, we, you know, we were seeing this stuff and we, we were 
witnesses and maybe even had our own personal experiences with it. Um, I think we, all three of us, me, David and Chuck, had some form of um, injustice happen because of the color of our skin, you know, at some mm-hmm. point. So as a creator, whatever your experiences are, you, you, you want to, there's something subconscious that allows you to put it into uh, creation, whether it be art or music or what have you. Um, That's where the most powerful stories and music comes from. It comes from those personal experiences. So um, I would say to people, um, if you are trying to gain even more understanding not saying that our book is like the the ultimate in enlightenment <laughs> but i think the way that we're describing um forms of hatred and, and again it's not just um the the overt hatred you know the color of your skin hatred or because you're different than me hatred it's the like you said earlier it's just the own personal um post-traumatic um situations that we go through and how that can influence, you know, how we, our outlook on other people, um, even our own people. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not clear cut, cookie cutter, you know, there I say black and white mm-hmm. uh, starts there, but then there's so many other levels and we're, we're doing, this um, exploratory um, um, venture into those dynamics. And uh, we, we would love for uh, anyone who's interested in that to definitely uh, check it out. Awesome. Awesome. Well said. Yeah, I would, I would highly recommend the work to anybody listening as well. Um, I think in addition to everything you said, uh, it is also an exciting adventure, you know, steampunk uh, monster hunting fantasy world right that you guys have built so it's i think it's quite impressive to to pretty i'm sure it's not effortlessly but the way the story is told it's it's seamlessly integrated into Mm -hmm. what is otherwise a a more familiar um you know kind of kind of genre so it's excellent work um i i dig the book i think everybody should check it out uh good luck to to you guys on the eisner nominations I know. I think the voting's going on right now. So I, I hope to see Bitter Root represented there. Um, yeah. So thanks so much for taking the time, Stanford. I know you got some other, plenty of other things uh, going on. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me. Hey.